Elizabeth Chapel, a lifelong entrepreneur who finally found my niche. After years of new ideas and jumping from business to business, I figured out how to turn a craft into a successful career. In 2016, I started a monthly subscription box for quilters. That little startup has grown into a thriving, multiple six-figure business that I am so proud of. As a published author, designer of fabrics and patterns being sold throughout the world, my favorite thing to do is to teach others how to grow a career of their dreams. Each week you'll hear from me or from other guests who are creative entrepreneurs, so you can learn exactly what to do and what not to do to grow a career that's more rewarding and successful than you ever thought possible. If you're ready to turn your craft into a career that you love, I am so excited you're here. Welcome to the Craft to Career podcast. This week, we have Rada of Sewing Through Fog. She is so fun to chat with. I could honestly chat for hours and hours. We have, in fact, (laughs) and you'll see as we start chatting today, what a wealth of knowledge, talent, cool thinking. Um, Yeah, you're going to love meeting Rada and hearing what she's up to in the business world and how she's grown her business since completing the quilt pattern writing course. Before we jump in and you meet Rada, I am going to read a review from Apple Podcasts. This is from Big Head Strokey. They say, I can't wait for Friday mornings. I get in my car on the way to teach my kindergartners and listen to Elizabeth. I have been quilting since my college day, and I'm turning 50 in a few months. I've been inspired to up my game and figure out how to use the tools I already have, like EQA and Canva, to make my own patterns. I took the nine-week quilt pattern writing class, and I'm retaking it now that I'm not under the stress of back-to-school season. I can't wait to start writing patterns to sell. This is such a fun review. Thank you. I wish I knew your actual name so I could reach out and say thank you personally. If this is you, send me a DM. I love that you teach kindergartners, that you have taken the quilt pattern writing course, and you've been able to go through that course at your own pace and your own time when it works for you. And depending when, you know, this was written in March of 2023, I'd love to know if this person has released their own patterns yet. If you have not left a review for the Craft a Career podcast, go ahead and take just a moment and let me know what you are enjoying about the podcast. I want to bring more of the things that help you quilterpreneurs grow your business. And just a reminder that when you leave a review, it helps other entrepreneurs find the podcast and get helpful information for growing their quilty business. But now let's jump in and let me introduce you to Rada of Sewing Through Fog. Rada, I'm so glad that you are here on the podcast. Thanks for being here. And for our listeners, can you just introduce who you are in the quilting community? Of course. Hi, Elizabeth. I am so excited to talk to you. I'm still, you know, relatively new to the quilting community. And actually, your class was really the beginning of this journey I was on. Um, I think I've told this story before, but It was, I got the email about your class two days after I decided that I was going to start my own business. And I had never even used a quilt pattern before. Oh, wow. I'd made made quilts. I actually used to be a seamstress a million years ago. So my whole life was in the fashion industry for a while. But 
I had left um, my corporate career during the pandemic and was really struggling with kind of what I wanted to do next. And it was just this moment of, I think, kind of like the universe, you know, not I'm not super woohoo, whatever, but Mm -hmm. it was just this sign that was kind of like, why don't you try, you know, this? And I just started um, getting involved in the quilting community. And so I really look at that moment, even though my journey's kind of now gone in a couple different directions, I look at that moment as really being the beginning of, of what I'm doing now. So the, I started, um, uh, you know, a business called sewing through fog. That's kind of my Instagram handle and where I'm really focusing now is it's kind of like a, a modern quilters um, resource for sewing with repurposed and upcycled fabrics. So really looking at that kind of sustainability angle um, that's definitely in the quilting world, but maybe not as much as it could be. Okay, tell me more. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so when I came into... Um, the quilting industry or the quilting community and looked around, I was actually a little surprised. And I've heard that maybe, you know, the quilting industry is behind a little bit from certain trends going on, but I thought I would find a lot more, you know, organic fabrics and um, just conversations around textile waste and um, just different sustainability and, and being circular and all these things that, even though the fashion industry is doing a terrible job of, are are these big conversations that are going on. And I didn't see them as much. And what I did see was I saw some people or a lot of people upcycling, but it was more on the art side. And there are these, you know, amazing kind of artists like um, Heidi Parks and Zach Foster who are talking about upcycling, but they're really doing it more as an art form. And then on the other side, I saw a lot of, you know, all those big um, fabric brands like the Riley Blake and the Tula Pink, which are awesome, but are almost are more about let's buy new, let's have a new release. And it didn't really seem like there was a lot in the middle of mm-hmm. people who still wanted to make like clean, modern, like um, fun, you know, quilt patterns and designs, but maybe do it with fabric beyond quilting cotton. Yeah. And- And just coming again from the fashion industry and my background sewing, I'd actually never sewn with quilting cotton. My first quilt I made out of all these fabrics in my stash that I'd been collecting over the years from my childhood and not one of them, they were cottons, but they weren't quilting cotton. So this idea of quilting as a way to pull different textures together and different fabrics together, that's just what in my mind was what kind of quilting was and where I wanted to go. So I thought, by the way, you know, yeah, I thought what better way to, to, um, to help to bring kind of a perspective than to just talk about that, you know, and, and help people. I I kind of say that what I do is for maybe upcycle phobics. So (laughs) not people who've been doing this for a million years, but people that just want to kind of dip their toe in and, and get inspired and maybe learn a little bit about fabric and learn how to just start. Which I love. So when I first started quilting again, I came into the quilting world with a business mindset. And so I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I would love to take some like 
faux leather and this and that. And people are like, no, 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 the needle's not made for that. You know, you can't do that. I was like, I kind of hate when people say you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean you can't oh. do that? You know, <laughs> but you do not see it. But I, you and I have chatted and I love, because I have seen, like you were saying, kind of two schools of thoughts where totally upcycle. It's almost evil if you buy the new fabric. And then the people who are like, oh, stop trying to preach to me about da, 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 you know? And I love that you're like, let's meet in the middle. What if we combine, if you love tulip pink or whatever, buy some of that and then maybe throw in some of what you've got that's in your closet that you might be throwing out and, and not taking away the shame, taking away the like, you're evil one way or the other. And just kind of introducing this idea of give it a try. What if you like it? It could be cool. And some education, even for me, I listened to you on a podcast do you know which one it was? You were talking about like growing up in this cool farm. What it could have, uh, maybe it was the Threads of Sustainability podcast. Yep. Yep. Digital Flaherty, probably. And it was so fascinating. And I'm very intrigued in the best way about your childhood and all the things. But anyhow, hearing hearing this approach was very cool for me. So I love well, I, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And that's something that's super important to me is that it isn't, and I say this like in everything I do, there is no right way to upcycle. There's no wrong way. There is no like, this is what you have to do. This is what you can't do. And anybody who pushes an extreme, I feel like they're missing out on the bigger picture. And because I just talked about organic fibers, well, Anybody in the textile or apparel industry knows there are so many issues with organic fibers and certifications and you're still using, you know, too much water and nothing. Sustainability is like a spectrum and it's so nuanced. And where I'm passionate is just getting people to take like little baby steps. And exactly. It's not about well, the last thing, throwing out all your quilting cotton, of course not. But it's not about suddenly saying you're never going to buy anything ever again. That's not realistic. It's about making like little steps and little changes. And that's, um, you know, that's what I'm doing too. Like I, I didn't know a lot of the facts that I know now. Like I used to think that when you donated your clothes <laughs> – you know, they went off and went to some, you know, someone that needed them. Amazing. But I only found out maybe two years ago that um, only, so only 30% of the clothes we donate to like Goodwill and places like that even get out on their floor, let alone get sold. So it's only like a fraction of those get sold. And then, so most of the clothes that you donate to those big thrift store chains actually end up in landfills and landfills in the global south so like um one of the worst ones if anyone wants to google it because i am for sure not an expert to talk about is in ghana it's the capital of ghana called Accra, and it is just insane and i think that it's a little bit of out of sight out of mind to us so for me upcycling is like this op awesome opportunity for quilters to like not be part of the problem, be part of the solution type of thing, you know, like, and exactly as you're saying, you're making, you know, a great quilt, or let's say you're making a really cool tote bag. Why not use like denim to, to be the bottom of it? Or why not, you know, 
use if you need like a, a cool, colorful fabric. Probably like your husband might have an old woven shirt <laughs> he doesn't wear anymore or like what clothes have your kids grown out of. It's just kind of like recognizing the options around you. And we talk so much about um, quilting being so expensive. Well, that's like such a great way to save money too. I just still feel like sometimes people have a stigma that, oh, well, I'm using something used or old or, you know, people will judge me. And that's the piece too, that I'm trying to kind of help. Like it's, that's not true. In fact, like it's just good for the planet and it's just smart, right? To use the stuff that's around you. I'm thinking like, Quilting, I feel like a lot of quilters are very nostalgic about being a part of this, you know, history. How cool to tie in your memories from your child's clothing or, I don't know, clothing that has significance and memory. And I don't know, I think that adds a lot of meaning to what you're making way more than just, oh, I bought this fabric that I love. You know, both. I'm not trying to shame one or the other, but um, I think it can add an element. Yeah, absolutely. And the, so that's kind of, I know we kind of went, I think you and I talking, we could probably end up on a completely other topic that we started talking about. Um, but so I'm still, I, you know, after the class, I did release two patterns, which I absolutely love. Um, they were called, but I, of course, had to kind of do it my own way where I did a full size pattern. And then I did a mini version to go on the back of um, denim jackets. Cause that's again, my background, but then where I've now kind of gone recently, and this was actually with um, your guidance a little bit is I just released my first class um, specifically for upcycling jeans. And that's because, so when I was in the fashion industry, I worked in denim for 15 years. I worked for Levi's and I totally joke, but I think there's truth in it that like this class was a little bit of my penance for being like, I was good at my job. I made (laughs) a lot of jeans and I got a lot of people to buy them. And now it's like, I feel personally responsible for jeans that are sitting in the back of people's closets. I'm like, well, I can now show them how to turn them into something you know, totally different and and cool rather than them ending up somewhere. But like everything, even though this class is not, I'll be releasing patterns that go along with it at the end of the summer. But all these things that I'm doing in this class all started actually with the quilt pattern writing class, because I am, and we've talked about this, I am like an Adobe obsessed (laughs) like everything I use illustrator and you know InDesign for every single thing I do which was um I think when I had heard people talking about you know is the class worth it from a value and what you're getting out of it this is also where you say you came in thinking with a business mindset I came into this industry from the corporate industry where people are making a lot of money where everything costs a lot of money where you could take a one day class to learn some silly like project management, you know, technique or certification. And that costs you $1,500 and where people all charge like for their time. And that was also a big eye opener for me coming into this industry and seeing 
how scared people were to charge money for things, to talk about money. And that's something I've really appreciated listening to the Craft to Career podcast and just talking with you, but also kind of what you talked about, these people being on two different sides. I've struggled a little bit because I also see people on the upcycling side almost feeling like, well, we're doing something good for the planet. You can't charge for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're helping people. We're talking about women's crafting. We can't charge. And that's like, that's actually another, another piece. I still do some corporate consulting and then I donate my time to consult for a nonprofit in San Francisco that helps small businesses. And that's how I'm, one of the ways how I'm giving back. I also, I volunteer at Scrap San Francisco, which is like a creative reuse center. That's one of the ways that I give back and contribute to my community. But when you talk about sustainability, sustainability is not just materials. It is not just using like, you know, a used fabric or or organic or recycled cotton. Sustainability is how you run your business and how you treat like the workers and for, and I think that's a big thing, like in fast fashion that people don't realize also is clothes are as cheap as they are because someone is getting exploited. Someone is getting paid $2 an hour. And when you are a small business owner, you are that person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You You are the person providing the product. And so, yeah, I, I've had a little bit of a hard time finding where I fit in in this industry because I I do feel like I'm right in the middle where I believe as or more strongly than anybody about the planet and all and, you know, workers rights and all these things. I mean, I've been in apparel factories in Bangladesh a year or two before the Rana Plaza collapse. And I like, I know these firsthand, like I've seen the poverty there and I know these things, but that doesn't mean that anybody working in sustainability has to then not pay themselves. Right. So, and I know I'm kind of, again, going, I can go on a tangent, but I do think these things are all, they're all connected Yeah. And it is like with the quilting world, I just, I feel like we need to keep having these conversations and, and figure out how we can not make it be a bad thing that entrepreneurs or that crafters or artists are actually paying themselves a fair wage to provide what we're providing. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this because I knew from the get-go, I'd listened and studied enough that on a logical level, I'd heard people say, there's going to be the naysayers and this is the logic behind it, you know, and it's from an ethical standpoint, generally speaking, or they feel like, well, if I can't be successful, then at least I'll be successful and I'm a better person and I'm not unmoral by blah, 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 blah. But I oddly see in the quilting world, and I'm sure it trickles into other markets, but this happens to be the one that I'm in where a lot of the people who are throwing shade or shame about charging are the same ones who are like, we need to be charging what we're worth. 
we need to value these women. But then as soon as someone is, it's like they don't like it to look that way. And they want it to, I don't know how they want it to look, but, um, but I, why is that? Like, what is the ethical way in these, you know, what's going on there in your opinion? Not yeah. That cool, but. yeah. And I mean, I think anybody that follows me knows I'm like always super honest and just kind of say whatever I think. And I think that the for sure the intentions in the right place, right? Like mm-hmm. for sure people that are saying that they want, you know, they they want to help people, they want to make sure that things are accessible. But I think there's just a lack of understanding of of what's going on and a lack of the bigger picture. And that is I've seen this conversation a lot when people talk about fast fashion where when someone is talking about say you should buy eth- from ethical clothing brands. There are people that say that's very classist because ethical clothing brands, it costs a lot of money. And you're ki- you're expecting people that, you know, they can't afford to buy that product. And that is not being accessible. And the thing is, is so then, okay, so then it's not the person who wants to buy it who's getting, who is basically getting the fallback it's the person then who's making the product. And I'm doing a terrible job explaining this. And there's a lot of people I can like send you like a link to put in the um, the show notes with some people to talk about this so much better than I do. But the idea is that for things to be inexpensive, someone is being exploited. Yep. And okay, so yes, it means that you can now buy that pair of jeans for $25, but that is only because a worker in Bangladesh is getting paid $2 an hour. Yep. So it isn't this idea that, yeah, it's, it's really tough because we all want to make sure that people have access to everything, but you as an entrepreneur, small business owner, you cannot be the one who, can't afford to pay their rent or, you know, is working 80 hours a week. And I think there's, there's actually a really amazing um, business coach who specifically coaches about anti-capitalist practices. Hmm. And their name is Bear, like the bear, he bear, H-E-B-E-R-T. And I took their class about anti-capitalist pricing and the thing is, is you might think, okay, well, they'll say, oh, we'll lower your prices for everything. Absolutely not. They actually said that capitalism, the bad parts of capitalism are when people are being exploited to yep. make profits. It's The bad part isn't trading goods and services or selling goods and services. And so you really should charge what you need to make a living and survive. And that is taking care of yourself. I mean, when we talk about like hustle culture and all that stuff, it's like this idea that you have to work yourself to the bone to, to make money, to survive. That is the bad part of capitalism. So, and I know these are all these kind of like big issues. It's like, okay, but wait a second. Like, but what has that got to do with charging $15 versus $12 for a pattern? But I do think it is, it's all connected because it has to do with, 
um, just how we value our own time mm -hmm. and how we value ourselves. Which you didn't sign up to bring up this conversation. So I'll throw it in. Feel free to say something or nothing. But the whole conversation of paying pattern testers, um, you know, I've, I've struggled and thought a lot about that. And I fall back to like, then basically you're telling anyone who can't afford to pay a pattern tester, you can't be a quilt pattern writer because that's what's ethically the right thing to do is to pay a pattern tester. So at some point, someone, you know, like you said, for prices to go down, somebody is taking the brunt of that. Who's it going to be? Who's the right person, you know, or raise your prices. Um, so it's a very, and not that that solves all the things, um, because then not everyone can afford, you know, that's a very complicated topic, but. Totally. And so, and these are things again, because I'm new, newer to the industry, I'm still trying to figure out as I go, when I did my quilt pattern, I had testers and what I ended up deciding to do as just kind of a, I don't know what to do. I gave all of them like a $25 fabric stipend because the quilt pattern that I was releasing, if you kind of wanted to do it the same way as the pattern, it kind of required you buying fabric because it was all in an ombre, like one color. So I'm like, well, you know, if someone wants to make it that way, I'm kind of saying they have to buy fabric. So I'm going to give them that. that. And I just, I thought, okay, why not? Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. Do I think that was absolutely the right answer? Well, if, I mean, if I was paying someone minimum wage right. to make a quill, I mean, come on, no. But so I think I'm still, I don't know actually what I would even recommend or say is the right thing with that. But I do. At, at some point, someone is going to be giving their time away for free. And you've talked about this a ton. And what I think is rather than us all talking about paying pattern testers, which is an important conversation, it's also, it's the like ambassadorships and artisan things where, again, I've worked for a corporation. I know what marketing budgets are. Mm -hmm. and the people that can actually afford to pay are large companies, are large fabric companies and, you know, machine companies like sewing machine companies and I feel like more of the conversation should be around how people are giving their time away for free yep. um, because that is actually more exploitive than someone who's not making any money having someone else who's not making any money help them make something right exactly I, for one, am very excited because we've chatted and I've seen these projects on your walls and I'm like, oh, those are amazing. And I love that it is able to use things in your house to create this kind of art. Um, so can you tell us a little more? You kind of touched on it, but what's covered in this course that you're offering? Yeah, so um, I had started out by creating something more about textile education. So, and oh my God, that sounds so boring. Like, but... <laughs> To me, I am a giant break the rules person, but I am a learn the rules first so that you can break them second. So that's kind of how I approach um, anything I do and how I kind of recommend people approach sewing like beyond quilting cotton is learn a little bit about it. So 
I, I actually have like a free downloadable thing on my website that talks about warp and weft and the different weaves and all these things that, yeah, you don't really have to know, but it's helpful. And so with this jeans class, that's kind of how I approached it too, is I start by just doing like this anatomy of a gene and talking about all the different things that go into it, um, the different types of seams, the different types of constructions in like a, you know, fun and engaging way, I hope. But also, and some of it's like industry jargon, again, because I was in the industry for so long. But the whole point is, once you kind of know what it is, then you can decide, you know, what you want to do with it. And also I say, like, if you know what something's called, it's easier to Google it. So like, if one of the things I teach is how to harvest threads. So that's another thing where, when you're taking genes apart and you're well, when you're deconstructing anything, there's there's different methods, there's different amount of time. And so I show two different methods, one that'll take you like half an hour and it's really simple and you don't have to seam rip anything. And then the second one, I go through how I, there are certain seams called flat fell seams that are generally done with um, a chain stitch. And I show how you can actually just pull out the thread in a chain stitch really easily, you end up with all that thread that you could choose to use again. So, and how when people do overlock stitching, we call it generally surging in home sewing, but overlock in industry, there's actually a tip how to take that out too. So all of that education part, it's just kind of how I like to learn. So it's how I kind of um, want to teach that's first. And then I um, teach how to turn those, that gene that you've now deconstructed into usable shapes. So basically like gene, from a gene to a jelly roll and how like two, so everything I teach is using basically two and two and a half inch strips, just because I also then want, this isn't, I'm not teaching this so people can just make things I say, I'm teaching it so people can then at the end of the day have a jelly roll of denim that they can then use for a quilt or one of, um, I also show how you can make like a fat eighth, like a, out of a jean, it's really easy to make a fat eighth and then use that fat eighth in some other quilt you do. So that is kind of the, the first part of the class. And then I have three different techniques, a weave, a um, patchwork and a checkerboard that I teach through from everything from piecing to quilting. Um, and then again, some three really easy techniques to finish them. One, like a, a pillow that's kind of like a faux um, piped pillow with an envelope back. And then how I recommend if you're gonna frame your pieces, cause I do think it's surprising how, and you can do this with anything, when you frame a quilt block or when you frame a little, quilted item it just looks so cool it and it, I think like we we forget once you kind of get it up there you're like oh yeah that's actually a really cool thing to have on a wall um as well as just doing how I would bind something with denim because working with denim is it's not that scary but there are some things you kind of need to think about a little bit um and then what I have I'm developing about three different patterns that I'm going to release in I think September that all use these kind of textiles, these weaves, these checkerboards, these um, patchworks. 
And those patterns, you can just do them a normal fabric too. You can use tulip pink. You can use, you know, anything you want. Um, but they'll kind of be a partner to this class. That's so um, cool. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's all learning. It's mm -hmm. again, being, I only started like officially started my business less than a year ago. So I think I'm kind of, I'm just boldly moving forward. Love it. <laughs> for sure, not having all the right answers and telling everybody I don't have all the right answers also, because I think, you know, that's important. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really fun to develop all this. And it's been great to see how many people are excited to learn and just want to um, learn how to upcycle, just learn more about it and make it kind of part of something that they do. Well, and like I mentioned at first, when I started in the quilting world, people are like, no, you can't do that. You need a different. So in my mind, I'm like, well, what needle do I use? Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm signing up for this course simply because I, I want to learn how to do it. But also because I have gone to one of my favorite stores online and they have sewn denim with other fabrics in a frame for so much money. And I'm like, I'll make my own. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and all the more meaning and everything. So, and I'm curious, have you thought about like teaching at quilt con or anything? This would be so cool. There's actually some local places that I'm already talking to about teaching here in San Francisco Bay Area. Um, but yeah, I'd love, I love teaching, but that's another thing where in my mind, I've been doing business consulting. I've been teaching my whole life to everybody out in like the Instagram world. I'm someone they barely know. So I am trying to go a little bit a little bit slower in terms of, I know I have to build that trust and kind of show um, like that. I know what I'm doing a little bit before I kind of go, Hey, everybody, why don't you <laughs> hire oh, me to teach um, this out there? Like for one, your background with Levi, your knowledge of fabric far exceeds most people I've met in the world, period. Uh, so you do have you qualifications. But second of all, I've recently just reached out to a ton of quilt guilds online and said, hey, I'll come and teach for free. And I have a cap. I'm going to do so many. And I'm building that resume to say, I've taught here, 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 here. Um, so it's something to think about if you say, and I don't know if you'd want to do for free, whatever, but just reaching out to people and saying, I'd love to come and teach this. Or, uh, you know, I'm do I'm building my, whatever, however you want to word it. And then you can reach out and say, hey, I've taught here, here, here. Do you want to hire me for, you know, and then you can raise your prices. But just an idea. Yeah. No, I, that is a great idea. I think the other thing that I'm trying to keep in mind is I left my corporate career because of like severe burnout. Mm -hmm. And I am... <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, workaholic is such like an old term, but I'm someone that gets, I just get so focused and I just go and go and go and getting this class out of me, I've been working on it for three months and it's like, I actually didn't do a lot of the pre-launch marketing you should do and all that stuff. Cause I just was like, you know what? I just need to get it out there. Yeah. And what I need to do now, and I am saying this out loud to you on a podcast, so maybe I'll do it, is actually take like take a moment yes. <laughs> and and get my life in order a little bit more. And 
that piece of like self-care, whatever you want to call it, is is so hard because I yeah, I want to do exactly what you said. And I actually have see, I wish my camera was on because I'm doing a guest um blog post for you. Yay. And I have something I am so excited about <laughs> behind me that I'm gonna show people, but then I also wanna make like a little mini mini class for that so I have so many ideas going on and so many new things I want to do and teaching for sure is one of them but I also need to figure out how to pace myself a little bit yep um, which I'm gonna write down on my phone right now a podcast idea because um I want to talk about that because not that I've arrived or been like I've got it figured out but some things that um that I'm doing moving forward coming up here to help with that. So anyhow, I just jotted that down. Oh well, yeah. Send me if if anybody out there has any help <laughs> to to learn how to relax with you know, that would be that would be great. And the entrepreneurial brain, we're mm-hmm. great at the ideas and like the next, the next, the next, the next. We're not so great at pausing and you know the business growth. We're good at coming up with new and new. Oh, and I should do this and this and this. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But that that actually deciding that sitting down on a Saturday and reading a book or going for a walk, that being just as important <laughs> as sitting down at your sewing machine and making, you know, a mini denim applique block for something, you know, it's hard. It's when, when you just want to do more. And it's also because I'm so excited about it. Like, again, even though I loved my corporate job and I loved what I did until it became very apparent what I was doing to the environment, um, it also, it wasn't that creative. And being able to so all the time, being able to talk about fabric and all those things you could do. I mean, it just makes me so happy <laughs> that I think that's also part of the problem is I just want to talk to everybody about it. I just want to do more of it. I just kind of want to keep going. I love it. I mean, well, we'll just have to chat more because I'm like, oh, let's chat about this and how to scale it back. But anyhow, well, this has been a pleasure. And for our listeners who would love to find your course or follow you, where are the best places to go for that? So I am at Sewing Through Fog on basically every social media platform that exists out there, <laughs> which is another conversation, <laughs> except Twitter. I'm not a, not on Twitter. Um, but yeah, so, and my website is sewingthroughfog.com. Um, my class is called Quilt Your Jeans. And um, yeah, I that that would be where you can find me and probably being silly. So wherever you find me, there will be some amount of silliness. I always have to throw that out there in case anybody is expecting to find like a serious, I'm very passionate, but I also don't take myself too seriously. Which I have to say, when we were doing the quilt pattern writing course, I, well, somehow I found your Instagram and I was like, your reels are hilarious. Like, I am loving this. So that's how you popped up on my radar was because of that humor and that creativity. So I love it. It resonates with me very well. (laughs) Well, that, I don't know what that says about you. (laughs) I don't either. Uh, But thank you so much for being here. It's been so much fun chatting with you. 
Thanks for having me. Rada, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Such fun times chatting with you every time. I mean, I could chat forever and ever. So I hope that you're able to go and follow her on Instagram. And if you're curious to use some of the clothing in your closet to make projects or quilts with, check out her course. I will be. I'm excited. I'll be showing when I you know, make my own little art with my jeans. So Rada, thank you so much. Congratulations on all that you're doing with your business since taking the quilt pattern writing course. If you're interested in taking the quilt pattern writing course, you can go to my website, quilterscandy.com. Go to courses at the top tab and go to the quilt pattern writing course. You can join the waitlist. I'll also put a waitlist button in the show notes for the course. I would love to have you come and join the course. It opens every September and we're getting closer to September. I cannot wait for this year's course to open up. And thank you again, Rada, for being here and sharing what you've been doing since completing the course. We'll see you right here next Friday on the Crafty Career Podcast. And again, I'll be having some more alumni sharing what they have been up to since completing the quilt pattern writing course. Take care and have a wonderful week. Mm -hmm.